Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. And no matter what you think, you are never alone. Hello and welcome back to Keepers of the Flame podcast. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number 40, Survivor Series with Candy Stone. Y'all, when you're diagnosed with cancer, it can feel like one of the most loneliest of places ever. You can feel very isolated because it seems like nobody gets what you're going through. And I know when I was diagnosed and I had spoken with women who had already weathered their own storms, It inspired me, it gave me hope, and it gave me the courage that I needed to know in my heart of hearts that no matter what, because everybody's journey through a cancer diagnosis and treatments, it's unique to them. It is their own story, and there's no one way through it. Everybody has to travel their own path their own way. Knowing that, but still seeing and hearing from women who had made it to the other side, who had dealt with something and truly understood what I was going through, well, it just created this light out in the distance that let me know, you know what? You're not alone. I get you. I'm there for you. And you can make it too. And it gave me this sense of calm and steady. So for those of you who would like to hear from people who have been there and done that, but maybe you don't know anybody, that's the entire point behind the Survivor Series is we're bringing these conversations to you, to let their voices and their stories be heard, to shine a light on this disease, to help promote the education and awareness needed to weather your own storm, but most importantly, to help you see that speckle of hope. It's there. And in today's episode, we have with us a survivor, Candy Stone, who is one of my good friend's mothers. So we call Candy, I always call her Mimi, because she's our Georgia Mimi. My parents live up in Virginia, and so does Brian. So when the kids have grandparents' day at preschool or whatever, and they're having these fun events and our parents can't get here, we send them in with the flat grandparents, and we send them in with Mimi too, and she takes care of them. And it's just really nice to belong. We love, absolutely love our Mimi. Candy was diagnosed with breast cancer and had made it through all of her treatments prior to my own diagnosis. And when I was diagnosed and I got to talk to her, Candy became one of my initial lighthouses. And today she's here to speak with all of us to help us understand a little bit more about this journey. Welcome, Candy. We are so happy to have you with us today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me here. Let's talk a little bit about your cancer. So first of all, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 54 years old. And you have been no evidence of disease for how long now? Seven years. Yay! Yay. So very thankful to the Lord for the blessings I've received. Yes. You know, that is so inspiring to hear when women are on the other side and you hear these numbers, you're like, yes, I can get there. I can do this. I can make it as well. How did you first find out that you had cancer? Well, I was just experiencing some, just not Mm -hmm. feeling good. I had called to set up my mammogram because I went to the mobile unit here. I've been doing that for years and years. 
And when I had called to set up my appointment, they had to put me off to like July. They didn't have anything. A few weeks, maybe six weeks past what a normal time would have been. And the morning of my mammogram, I was like, oh, oh, I'm supposed to be doing that self-exam. And so I did it and I found the lump. And I thought, man, it's just one of those fibroid things. This won't be anything. So I went for my mammogram and they asked you, have you found any lumps? And I said, yes. And as the tech was doing it, you know, I was telling her about it. I could sort of tell from her expression that this was not good. So I was really worried. And she said, I will get this to the radiologist this afternoon. And the next morning they called to tell me they wanted me for biopsy within the hour. It was very scary. I, I was yeah. I was terrified. And you know, everybody was saying, This is nothing, this is nothing and they did the biopsy and I was supposed to leave that next Tuesday for a family reunion. And when they did the biopsy, the lady said, You can't go to a family reunion next Tuesday. You have to go see a doctor about the results of this biopsy. And I said, but I'm supposed to go to family reunion. She said, well, you can't go. You have to go to the doctor. We, this was the only time we could get you an appointment was that was Tuesday. But she said, but don't worry. It'll probably come back fine. So we had loaded up in the car, my husband and my two granddaughters, because we were headed to the doctor. Everybody was sure it was just a fibroid cyst. And the doctor came in with the news that it was cancer. So I was devastated at that point I was not looking for this to be cancer yeah it's like your whole world just falls apart you're like whoa hang on a second you're talking to me exactly I fell apart yeah I'm thankful that my family was there my daughter went to setting up all the appointments but I will have to say this my surgeon was very surprised that nobody had told me that I had cancer so he didn't mean to deliver the news in that, that way, and he, yeah. he apologized and he handed me a box of tissues and gave me plenty of time to try to collect process. my thoughts and, and process this. But he says they're not supposed to send you here until someone's already told you that you have cancer. So you found out that you had cancer at the meeting when he was supposed to be going over the action plan. Right. And- and I didn't even know I had cancer because it had only been like three or four days since I'd had the biopsy. Yeah. And Ugh. so I fell through the cracks somewhere. <laughs> Someone right. was supposed to tell me, but yeah. they did not. Initial emotions that hit you at that moment. I didn't want to die. Mm-hmm. I cried. I have a wonderful family and wonderful husband. And I, I just, all I could think about was I want to live. I want to be all right. I don't want to leave my grandchildren. I don't want to leave my children. I don't want to leave my family. Mm -hmm. But my sister had died at 26 of melanoma. My dad had passed away at 70 of a brain tumor, which was cancer. And I just found out that week that my husband's cousin had passed away from cancer at 32. It was just a devastating moment in my life. I literally fell apart. Rightfully so. I actually told them I I had to go out of the office for a little while out into the, there was a nice little shady park there next to his office. And I had to sit there for a little bit and cry and try to process it because I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for that news because breast cancer did not run in my family. Yeah. I don't think that there is anything that can prepare us for that initial moment when you're told it doesn't matter where you are how you're told there is no good way to hear somebody looking at you and saying you have cancer it just there is no pretty way to deliver that it's hard no matter your story that moment is hard i agree how did the emotions change throughout your journey i've got very determined that i was going to beat this thing i'm going to fight this with everything that i have i'm going to do everything the doctors tell me to like they tell me to do it And even though I didn't want chemo and I didn't want radiation and I didn't want to go through those things, I knew that that was 
It's in your best interest. That was my best interest, and that was what the doctor's treatment was in order to help me to get through this. I will fight it. I had a conversation with my husband about this. I was recommended to have surgery. And I didn't want surgery. Nobody wants cancer. And nobody wants the treatments that accompany cancer either. It's not like we're, we're jonesing to have chemo or parts of our femininity removed. We don't want that. We don't want any part of this. But I remember having this conversation with my husband and I'm like, I want to do everything in my power. And if this is in my best interest, then I'm taking it. I'm doing it because I don't want to be 30 years later going, oh, I wish I would have done blank. I'm going to do everything in my power at this juncture in time. And that's all I can ask of myself. That's all I can do. That's absolutely how I felt. As the treatments went on forward, I don't know if everybody's felt like this, but there was times when I didn't even feel like a girl anymore. I didn't feel like a woman anymore. I just felt like a lump. I just felt as though I was there. And I think a lot of that had to do with the treatments and and getting removing the estrogen and all the things that your body goes through, losing your hair and then... Everything that you're saying is 100% normal. I have heard it across the board and it happened to me too. Losing my hair, I have said this before and every time I say it, I can't believe that these words are coming out of my mouth. But losing my hair was harder than losing my breasts. And I know that seems so crazy to say because your breasts are not coming back, but my hair would. But it was just this very outward sign. And when I looked in the mirror and I saw that, I was afraid that I was going to see, oh my gosh, this is happening. This was just a very, in my face, you're sick. That was absolutely me too. And I didn't want anyone to see me bald. Mainly, I was concerned about my grandchildren. My granddaughter was only a year old, so it didn't really think it would affect her that much. But my grandson was seven, and he he and I had always been very close. And I felt like if he had to see me without my hair, it would be like in his face that I was sick all the time. Mm. This is just me now, but I immediately got a wig. I rarely was seen without that wig unless I had a hat on or my scarf. And I didn't want it to always be in the face of my grandson or other people because I didn't want them looking at me with sorrow or sympathy or she's sick. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just be treated like I had always been treated. I am me. So I did yeah. my very best to find a wig that was close to my same hairstyle. And I do want to say this, even at night, my head would get cold. And I did find out, of course, they have the little nightcaps, but I couldn't keep them on my head. But just go down to your local walmart or retail store and get the little knit caps that are five or six dollars yeah. and they stayed on perfectly and yeah. they were warm you lose your heat through your head yes and if it's you do winter, get your little knit cap and it doesn't have to be the ones that are sold especially for that yeah. as long as it's soft it will work yes i started chemo it was august in georgia south georgia and south georgia heat, no hair, right? I was still freezing. Yes. And so I would wear hats all the time too, just to keep my head warm. When I first found out that I had cancer, I fell apart. And you, Candy, you were so sweet to me. I remember I had to go to a doctor's appointment for another test. And I was just, you know, you have doctors after doctors after doctors, and you're stressed and you don't want to go. And it was summertime and my kids were out of school and I'm like, well, who's going to watch my kids? And you were just so sweet. You said, bring them over and you did like painting projects with them. And so you helped cover me there. 
But even more so, when I came back from my doctor's appointment and I was trying so hard to step away my tears and my emotions, you caught on to that. You could see what I was really feeling. And I remember you telling me, it's okay. It's normal and it's okay. And I think that that is one of the most powerful things that I heard was that it's okay to be human. I think all women need to realize it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry for a little while, a very little while. And this will hit you in spells and spurts. But it's not okay to live in that. It's not okay to stay in that moment. But a lot of times, the only other women that understand that are ones who've experienced this same thing. And so I knew that Joyce needed to know that it's okay if you cry. It's okay if you be angry. But then it's okay if you get up and fight. And that's That's what you're going to do. You're going to get up and fight. You were the start at me realizing this. And this is huge, is that feeling those negative emotions, feeling that sadness or that anger or grief, because there is a sense of loss. We're losing part of our womanhood. We're losing our uh, the loss of our health right? Our loss of our sense of safety. There is great loss here. So within that grief and those negative emotions that we may feel, they do not equate to weakness. I used to think that if I felt sad or I got mad or angry, that somehow I couldn't be strong and I had to be strong because I had to fight this and beat this. And I was still determined and I was still a fighter and I'm still going to do all those things. But feeling sadness, like you said, it comes and goes in waves that's normal and that does not take away any one bit of your strength. It does not. It's like a roller coaster ride. You can be really, really up and then get some bad news and go back down. And it is a constant going to the doctor. You're not yourself anymore. You're someone with cancer. You're someone who has to go to the doctor often. You have to get stuck. You you feel like your body has absolutely no privacy anymore. You're just mm-hmm. everywhere you go. I remember one doctor said, do you mind if I look? I mean, I was like, mind as well the rest of the world. <laughs> That's right. You, Welcome to the club. You, you, feel, like you just <laughs> feel like you have lost certain parts of your life you completely lost control of and you have to be strong through it you have to plow through it you have to push through it but then there's going to be moments that you have to cry and let it go so that you can go on and be strong so crying is not a sign of weakness it's not a sign that you're giving up i think in a lot of ways it's a sign that you are relating to what you're having you're admitting to what you have and you're emotionally going with it and it helps you actually plow forward and to be strong because I got through that grief. I got through that moment and maybe I cried and maybe I got angry and you're not really angry at anybody and you're not angry at God. You're just, why does this have to be me? Why is this me? What did, you know, it's just a, a why me? And you realize, you know, there's not an answer, but why me? But then you get a determination in you. So so crying and, and being upset and being scared, it's not a sign of weakness. If you need to do it, do it. Right. You're going to feel better. And feeling that, turning to that, those emotions and acknowledging their presence, um, I was often told that that's actually a sign of strength, that being able to say, you know what, I am all of this. I am the whole I always say cookie dough batter, right? I'm not defined by the egg alone nor the chocolate chips. I am that whole delicious batter. I have good moments and bad moments, and that's okay. And so when I am down and when I am sad, that that doesn't negate my strength. I will rise again, and these emotions that we experience, they will come and they will go. No emotion is completely permanent. And when that happens, you're human. Absolutely true. That's why we call this a journey. 
I guess there may become a time when you are through getting your checkups, but I have to go for an annual checkup next week. And does it make me a little apprehensive? Well, of course it does. It, it does. Yeah. Does that make me weak? No, that makes me human. That makes you human. And here's where the strength lies, okay? You might be nervous and apprehensive of going, but not to beat yourself up for feeling those emotions, but to recognize, well, what did I do? I still drove there. I got out of that car and I went, even though I have lived through hell and I've survived and I still might be afraid, I am making myself go in to that appointment because I know that I am worth it. And that right there is strength. Doing what you know that you need to do despite being afraid is a sign of true courage. So, I mean, for anybody that might be feeling a similar way, Lord knows I was yesterday, I was sitting in the parking lot by a skin and cancer institute bawling my eyes out because he might have a sharp knife and he might want to touch me with that. (laughs) But it's part of it too. And recognizing that these moments, they might be part of us, but they don't define us either. Absolutely. One thing that you gave me, and I don't even know if you know the power behind this, but you gave me this beautiful pink bracelet and I wear it all the time. And... One of the things that that does for me is it reminded me of my femininity, of the beauty that I had within. And you'll hear about these projects of people where they'll be like, oh, teaching cancer patients how to put on makeup or how to do their scarves just right or wigs and stuff. And at a cursory glance, somebody might think, oh, that's just so superficial. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. You're in a struggle at that time. Just trying to feel like a a woman again. Just You've been sick. You're going through a lot. You may be going through radiation. You may be still in the chemo. You're searching to find the old you. You're like, where did I go? How did I end up here? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You nailed it right there. You're searching to find the old you. And what these things, a wig or a scarf, or in my case, this beautiful pink bracelet, what they do is when you look at them, it reminds you of where you really are, where your beauty really lies. It's inside. You haven't lost that. Even though it might feel like everything that we own is getting taken away from us, I am still Joyce. That's right. And these things help remind us of that. Absolutely. I agree. And prayer will get you a long way and trusting in the Lord and knowing that he's going to be there for you through each step. And I would be praying all the way there, praying before I walked in. And my cousin had suggested that during radiation to pray for other people. So as I laid on that table, of course, the first person I prayed for, for this radiation to treat me in a way that would be beneficial to my health. And then I would pray for everybody and anybody just to get me through because for me, it was about 30 minutes. It's a hard 30 minutes to go through every day and you have to do it every day and every day it's that drive. It takes an emotional toll. It does. It takes a very emotional toll and you're not alone in this building. You're there with a lot of other people who are getting radiation for a number of things. So talk to people. Everybody needs to draw on everybody else's strength. So while you're there and you feel like you're an emotional basket case, be the strength for someone else. Talk yeah. with someone else. You don't have to ask them about their medical condition. Just say, you know, did you have to drive very far? Sometimes people just need to get a word in to know that there's other people that are going through something and they just, they want to bond. And a lot of times you can share useful information. So Yeah. And I think it helps with the whole idea that you're not alone, that's right? It. I remember sitting there waiting for radiation and there was a guy who, his eyes told me the story of what he was going through. I could see that pain and that sorrow and those tears building behind his eyes, despite this tough, macho, 
I can conquer the world. You know what? He was human too. And he needed to hear that that was okay. Absolutely. And in my case, it ended up being a lot of the same people were there every day. So we all sort of got to looking out for each other and we might bring the other person a bottle of water and one lady brought us all blankets and it was just a camaraderie and none of these people had breast cancer. They had other kinds of cancer. Don't sit over there and shut yourself in and be in your own corner because you can be lonely in a room full of people. Yes. And then on the flip side, knowing that there is great support out there too, if you can open yourself up to accept it, to give it and to accept it. And I like what you said about when you were doing radiation, how you would pray for other people. Because when I was hearing you say that just now, what popped into my head was, well, you know what? That's an element of control right there, right? Because in a world where we feel like control is fleeting and all of these things are happening to us and we don't have any control over anything, well, what can I do? That's one thing that you can do in that moment that helps you. It helps other people. It's an element of something that you can do. That you can control. Yes. I also remember very clearly the day that I came to your house and I was falling apart. I remember that you you told me, and this was brilliant advice as well, you said in regards to chemo that any side effects that came up to make sure that I brought them up with the oncologist. Why is that so important? Yes, because I've spoken to many women who will, they will say a symptom to me and they will, but that didn't have anything to do with chemo. And I'll say, talk to your oncologist about it because it can be as simple as a sore in your mouth that's really causing you pain or maybe in your nose or your stomach's hurting. And in my particular case, after my first chemo, I ended up with spastic colon, which at the time the chemo nurse continued to tell me it, it wasn't anything to do with my chemo. And so after five days of terrible pain, it was a Sunday and I could barely move. My doctor called and within two minutes, she knew what was wrong with me, was calling in a prescription. So any kind of issue that's going wrong with your body and you're on chemo, you need to let your oncologist know because it's more than likely that someone other than you has experienced this and they will know exactly what you're talking about. So don't shut yourself off into thinking, oh, the only thing that goes with chemo is nausea or food doesn't taste good because there are a lot of other symptoms and it all is dependent upon each person and yes. dependent upon which chemo drugs that you are getting. That's so something. your situation and my situation would not be identical. Exactly. That I'm so glad that you said that. Chemo is not a one-stop shop. Like there are so many different cocktails that you can get. There's different dosages and every person's body chemistry is different. How they react to it is different too. So it is not a, this is a clear cut black and white explanation of what you're going to experience. There's a range of side effects that can happen. Absolutely. And don't try to hide anything Anything. from your oncologist because there's probably help for that symptom. Tell them and accept the help. I remember like with my chemo, every time I had a chemo, I would end up, so I'd have it and then something would happen and then I would start to recover and then I'd get blasted with another dose of chemo. And when the symptoms would, after I had treatment and the symptoms would start to show themselves again, every time it's like a new symptom would layer on. Absolutely. And and one time my eyes would just get these eye gooberies. Like you, mm-hmm. if you cry and you blink your eyes, the water goes down your cheeks. These were like little nuggets that when I would blink, they wouldn't go anywhere. And come to find out it's because of dry eyes. Absolutely. I was and, about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> which was a side effect. Who knew, Oops. right? 
And talking to people, let, let's back up to chemo. I was talking about speaking with people in your radiation lab, but talk to the people who are around you in your chemo lab. I found that you can pick up some good information, things that people who are also experiencing chemo that can offer you. No, I'm not talking about any drug related. I'm simply talking about, for instance, I'm going to tell you if you're going through chemo, get peaches and syrup and take them with you everywhere you go. Take the little cans with peaches you. and syrup. peaches and heavy syrup. What's that? One of the patients there told me when I first got my first chemo, she asked me if my stomach was bothering me yet. And I said, no. And she said, well, it might. And she said, and your mouth may bother you too. She wasn't trying to be a doctor. She was just trying to be a friend. And so I listened to her. But at that point, I hadn't experienced anything yet. Well, I found out I never got nauseated. My stomach always felt like I'd swallowed a rock. It just felt heavy and awful. Mm -hmm. And my mouth was very, very sore. I couldn't even stand to put a piece of bread in it because Mm. everything felt like I was eating sandpaper. So you don't eat. I lost 25 pounds. Mm. My oncologist and my radiologist both said, make sure you drink near two liters of water a day. Now that can include water that's in your food that you're able to eat. I was barely able to eat anything. So I got these peaches. Like I remembered that I was recommended to get peaches. Peaches and heavy syrup. And I will tell you, Del Monte's the best <laughs> because they don't have any of those little rough edges oh, like the yeah. pits. And when you've got a mouth that's so tender that you can't Sore. put anything in it. And so you can eat that. And the peaches and the heavy syrup, they have a natural ingredient, a natural something in the peaches that settles your stomach. It oh. settles an irritated stomach. So Well, I, I never knew that. That's awesome. The peaches, because they're so soft, they you don't, don't have to mouth. chew them. Yeah. And you don't have to let them really touch anything. Even in the kind of chemo that I had, which I'm not going into names or details, water was awful. And I love water. Mm. But water tasted so metallic and mm. it tasted so bad. So I knew that I had to drink it because they told me I had to drink water to protect my kidneys. Well, I knew I got to flush this medicine out of me. I, I can drink a 16-liter bottle of water without taking a breath yeah. <laughs> because I had to drink it so fast that it didn't that it touch didn't my mouth, yeah. that I didn't have time to taste it. Right. I didn't have time to, I didn't, it wasn't sip it, sip it, sip it. I knew I had to drink it and sip right. it I couldn't take. Right. So uh, set yourself a goal. If you need, you need to get your water drink, set yourself a goal. I had a goal every day. By lunchtime, I had drank two 16-ounce bottles of water. By the time I went to bed, I had to have drink two more. And that's when I would say, Oh, I haven't drank my water today. I haven't I haven't met my goal by lunchtime. Yeah. I have to get this sixteen ounce bottle of water down now. <laughs> yeah. I like that so, idea of goals. That's a good So set yourself goals and, and set yourself goals with your eating too. And try to maintain your nutrition throughout your treatments, even for the rest of your life. Set yourself good nutritional goals. Right. Not that you can't splurge a little here and there. Nothing wrong with a cookie every now and then, folks. Treat yourself. That's a treat every great now and then. Right. Treats. Because it's bad for you. Yes. Don't deny yourself treats, but don't make it your nutrition. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I want to add one more thing about talking to your medical oncologist because I interviewed a nurse practitioner and she brought up a really good point that I want to reiterate here. A lot of people will think, I don't want to tell my oncologist about such and such symptom because I don't want to be given some kind of inferior treatment. I don't want to let on that something is bothering me because I don't want to not kill this with all the gusto that it's got, right? And what she said is it's really important for people to tell them because 
they determine your dosage based off of your height and your weight alone, and that is it. And so when you tell them what's going on with you, then they are able to tweak it. And it's not some inferior treatment. It is the better, most appropriate, whatever you need for you and your situation. And I thought that was really brilliant that she said that, and just to kind of encourage people, listen, of all people to be upfront and honest with, they need to know what's going on. I found that to be true, too, that, that you need to tell them all your symptoms because things that you think they wouldn't treat or wouldn't know about or doesn't have anything to do with your chemo treatment actually does. And no, every nobody wants to start taking a lot of pills you don't have to take. Sometimes it might just be a cream or an ointment, or it might just be that you just have to take one or two prescription medications or maybe an over-the-counter just to relieve that until it, it heals itself right. or it gets well. You're not necessarily increasing your the amount of drugs going into right. your body, but you need to share that information. Well, and sometimes it's not even a drug. Sometimes it could be as simple as, well, if your nails are starting to get brittle, we'll keep them short mm-hmm. or put some, somebody told me, liquid Band-Aid on them or like clear nail polish or and something like that. Also, the chemo drugs that I were on caused me to have terrible, terrible dry skin. Well, they suggested taking a bath in the vino or like that. But also, the dermatologist said, once you step out of the tub and get dried off, immediately put baby oil all over. She said, don't even wait 30 minutes because then you've had time to lose what oil is in your skin where the baby oil will seal it in. So go Uh immediately to the baby oil as soon as you're dried off all over because I got really dry skin. Okay, so treatments that you had, we've talked a little bit, you had radiation and you had chemo and you had um, you had surgery as well? I had a lumpectomy and I also had, I was HER2 positive, so I was on Herceptin for a year. I've talked in previous episodes, but for those that are just joining us now, there are, there are different flavors of breast cancer, folks. It's not just breast cancer, it's breast cancer you've got. Breast cancer is broken down based off of their receptors, if it's estrogen, progesterone, positive or negative, and then there, there's the HER2 status as HER2 well. HER2 positive. What were you? Invasive ductal carcinoma, HER2 with HER2 positive. So, and what were the um, estrogen progesterone markers? I don't. You don't remember that? I, I closed that door. Closed, <laughs> hey, you know what? And people do that. We were talking before the recording started about how I was, I had shared before about there was a, a part of radiation that I was just like, nope, don't remember that. <laughs> I, yes, when I gotten all past all this, probably about the two or three year mark, all the paperwork and all the information and everything that had given me, I had kept on a desk in a folder. Then I just put it in a manila envelope and, and, and put it away. I still had to go for my six months treatments and my mammograms and all those things I do like I'm supposed to, but I didn't want that there looking at me anymore. So yeah. I didn't close the door. I'd like to forget it because you will never forget it, but I didn't need it right there in, my, in my moving forward. Yeah. On my journey, I was moving forward and that part of the book was closed and put away. So yeah. some things I have forgotten Put unless I really search my I'm, brain for them. I'm definitely no doctor here, but I would venture to guess that you were positive only because... Oh, I was. Her two positive. Well, you're her oh. two positive for her septum, but I would venture to guess that you were either estrogen or progesterone or one of the two positive only because you said that you had to take this hormone blocker. Yes, I did. The hormone blockers are often given to patients that are positive for mm-hmm. those hormone receptors. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea behind that is to... I like to think about the Grinch as taking that last speck of food away from the Mm -hmm. mouse, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, we're going to block this so that the estrogen and progesterone that feeds your cancer, if it's positive, 
you can't get it anymore. And that's the whole point of those drugs. Not everybody's eligible for them. It, again, depends on their particular kind of cancer. Or that will be beneficial to them. Right, exactly. So you have to really talk with your own provider. But let's talk a little bit. I know that you had something that you wanted to share about the effects that that medicine can have. Right. Well, if you're premenopause, then they normally give you tamoxifen. I did not take tamoxifen because the year that I started the chemo and the radiation, it actually, along with going through those symptoms, shoved me through menopause. And so I had all the things that people experience with menopause while I was on chemo and radiation. I had super night sweats. I had all the horrible stuff that makes you feel So I got like a double whammo. So they didn't want me to do tamoxifen. They wanted me to try the the other drugs, which are Remedex, Aromacin, and Femira. So I just want you to know that if you end up needing to take one of these drugs and you start one and it starts to have side effects on your body, and I'm not going to go into the ones that have with me because each person can be different too. So if you start to have side effects that you don't feel like you can live with, you need to tell your oncologist because I actually experienced finding out quite by accident that it also matters what pharmaceutical company that you get it from. So I did find out that I could take Femira, but I couldn't take it if it was made by one particular pharmaceutical company because it caused me such excruciating pain. But if I took it made by another pharmaceutical company, I didn't have any problems at all. I thought, okay, the oncologist is not going to believe this. Nobody's going to believe this. Everybody's going to think I'm crazy. So first I started talking to pharmacists about this. I talked to three different pharmacists and they all said, yes, there's no doubt about what you're telling me. You have a sensitivity to the inert ingredient that that particular pharmaceutical company is putting in at the base of this medication. The base of it. The I'm, base. Yeah. The base of the... It's not the actual medication Not, not the stuff that the, is stopping the cancer. It's not that element of it. It's the, the base. The base. But it was causing me to have excruciating joint pain. I remember you telling me, we had taken the kids to swim lessons and we were sitting beside the pool. And I remember you telling me that I guess you had gone to the pharmacy and they were out of one kind. So they had given you a different kind. And then you put them all in the same bottle and you didn't and you were taking, some days you were in pain and some days you weren't. And then you're like, I'm going to do an experiment. You dumped them all out and you were looking at them and you separated them into the two different kinds. You were listening. I was listening. (laughs) Yeah. I was fascinated by that because people don't know. I absolutely did. It was like I went to the pharmacy through the drive-in when then the lady, she says, oh, we don't have your medication all by one company. So you're going to notice they're not quite the same shape or the same color, but it's actually the same medicine. Right. Okay, well, I'm going right. just- to make sure I, I, I interject here that you're not taking a different, she's not taking a different medicine. No. This is the same medicine, it's just a different pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical company, company yes. that created that medicine. It's all, it's all for me. Right? Right. It's all for the same thing. And of course, I just got home and poured them all in the one bottle. Who wants right. a bunch of bottles of the same medication? Because you know, it is. It's only the same, right. a few left. So like you said, I'd take it and I wouldn't hurt and I'd take it and I wouldn't hurt. I firmly believe that prayer happens and the Lord's there with us. He's trying to tell us something. I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, why am I hurting some days and some days it's fine? Wait a minute. They said the pills were different. This can't matter. I got up and like Joyce said... I looked at them and some have one number and I knew, I knew that I only had a few of one and more of the other. So I said, before I tell anybody, I'm going to do my own test. I started taking the ones I only had a few of. Sure enough, the pain came back after three or four days. I was really in major pain again. I said, okay, I'm trying the other one. After a day or two, the pain was subsiding. 
Yeah. And so I talked to these pharmacists and that's what they said. Yeah. So I actually thought now I have to convince my oncologist because she has to write the prescription for a certain pharmacy. Right. And I told her and she said, I don't doubt it for a minute. Yeah. So she started ordering that they come from this particular pharmaceutical, pharmacy, pharmaceutical yeah. company. Yeah. And things got yeah. way better. <laughs> and that's, I think that's important to mention here. And this goes back to why it's so important to talk to your oncologist. Anything that's going on, tell them, tell them why. And also reiterating that it wasn't that you were like, oh, let me take a different medicine. It, no. it, it was the same medicine that was prescribed. It was just different pharmaceutical companies, when they're creating that medicine, they're given a leeway of the base. The base it's mixed in. And that's with all your drugs. Right. So I think that's that's definitely important for people to take note of there. Now, with this medication that is sometimes recommended, I have to take one for five years. And I also know that it is in my best interest to take it because it is taking away for me that estrogen and progesterone that fed my cancer. So when we take that little crumb away from the mouse, we know that we're increasing my chances of it not coming back, which is what we want. That being said, there are side effects to everything. There there very much are side effects. You're coming out of so much with the chemo and the radiation and you're focusing so much on beating the cancer till you might possibly not be hearing all the details of what they're telling you. My oncologist continued to say, now this medication may make your bones brittle. And I'm continuing not to really grasp what she's saying because I'm thinking I'm getting rid of cancer. What's a brittle bone? I can right. do this. I'm not worried about this. And I'm sure that if you're on this, they've got you doing a DEXA scan at least every year or every other year. Well, in my particular situation, I was not asking for the printout of my DEXA scan. And a DEXA scan, for those that don't know, they're measuring your bone density. Because as you age, naturally, you lose bone density. And if your bones are less dense, that makes them more likely to want to break. So, And, And that can turn into osteoporosis. And don't get scared of this. This this is going to be okay. Take your medication. This is a far better. I'm not telling you not to take your medication. Just be alert. Get your DEXA scans and start reading them. But I also had an experience with this. I have been on this pill for five years. And my doctor calls me after my fourth DEXA scan. And she said, okay, you um, now have osteoporosis. Okay, well, I immediately went into this downward spiral of what? Now I've got something else. Right. I'm like, I've just beat cancer. I'm, I'm on my fifth year. I'm, I'm, I've got two more weeks to complete my five years. I, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Right. And she says, oh, well, I want you to come in and I want you to get a shot called, I've heard this pronounced different ways, Prolira, Prolia. And I'm like, I've never heard of that. Does this have side effects? And she says, well, you can only take two shots a year for three years. And I said, and there's no side effects? And she says, well, you can't have any dental work done because your jawbone might not heal. And then then a red flag goes up. And I'm thinking, no, something here. I'm doing my research. And all your treatments, do your homework, keep your records, keep your files, keep your notes, do your homework. Ask your questions. Ask your questions. But don't just ask a question relying on someone to give you the answer. Do the research and make sure you're getting a correct answer. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do my homework on this particular drug. It's got terrible side effects. So I started doing research on other osteoporosis medications. 
And they have other types of bad side effects, such as acid reflux, esophagus cancer. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Now, what else can we do to fight osteoporosis? It feels like a domino effect here. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, but one of the things that does help with your bones, we hear this ever since back in the 80s, they'd have a commercial uh, drink milk. It, well, why? Because there's calcium. Calcium helps with the, the bone strength. So calcium. tell us about calcium. Well, my oncologist had had me taken major doses of calcium for the past five years, every day. And so you're thinking, how in the world did I get osteoporosis when I'm taking triple the amount of calcium that anyone else would take? So there and again, I'm I'm doing my homework. You need to see a specialist, right? I said, I want to see a specialist Mm -hmm. in this. I trust my oncologist. I went to an oncologist for cancer. I feel like I need to go to a specialist for this. Where they were quite difficult to find, there's not one in Savannah. And when Um, you say specialist, what kind of specialist? Well, I found one in Augusta. Now, he is a research doctor. He does endocrinology, in which they told me that that might be where I would need to start if I went to a doctor in Savannah. But I really wanted to see somebody that really specialized in osteoporosis. I wanted to, to know. And I got an appointment, and I went up there to see him. And actually, this is probably one of the best doctors I've ever been to in life. He spent over an hour just speaking with me and my husband about this and looking at everything and telling me what kind of test I needed to have run, which he was more than happy to let me have run in Savannah so it would be under the umbrella of my insurance. But he asked me if I was taking calcium and I told him and he said, you do realize that this is just crushed up rock. Yeah. <laughs> well, there I'm floored again because I'm taking this crushed up rock so for five years. taking the calcium. Constantly getting worse. Right. But it's not getting absorbed. It's not, it's, it's not, not, it's, it's not. just running through you. It because, and, and I was taking a slow release calcium, which he said was better than anything else you could do because at least it's just a slow release calcium. I did not want to start a medication without giving myself a chance to see what my body could do and what I could do to fight back. So he was very much in agreement with that, that I take a year to eat healthy, do weight-bearing exercises, and take care of myself and... Cardio. Yes, cardio, and eat a lot of greens. And and see how your body would respond. See how my body would respond. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I just kept doing research and continually over and over something just kept coming up on my computer something called algecal and i just shoved it off as another one of those you know you always get these ads it's just another ad it's not anything special it's not any and it continually came up so one day i said okay i'm gonna click on this i'm gonna read about it well the more i read algecal i'm gonna spell it a-l-g-a-e-c-a-l algecal and you can look it up and it is a natural calcium right off. That impressed me. But before I go any further, let me back up just a little bit. I also had a dental appointment and I went to my dental appointment. I asked my dentist, now how do all these drugs actually help your bones if I can't have any jaw work done, if I can't have any dental work that may affect my jaw bone? Is that really true? And she said, absolutely. If you're on Prolera, you'll have to be off of it six months before you can have any dental work that actually will touch your jaw bone. And if you're on Fosamax or any of the over-the-counter medications, you will have to be off of them three to four months before you could have it. Well, I'm kind of young to be thinking I can't ever have any dental work mm-hmm. done. What if I have a toothache? And just to clarify and make sure everybody understands where we where we are here, you take whatever the oncologist recommends to get rid of that cancer. You listen to your oncologist and you do to get rid of that cancer. Absolutely. And then what you do to um, manage the side effects that you may or may not get. And, and everybody's different. You might get it. You might not get it. And if so, then you... 
Talk to the next talk specialist. Talk to a doctor in the field of what's wrong. Absolutely. Do not go against your oncologist when it comes to your cancer or your treatments. And so that's what I have done. So you started taking the... Al- Al- Algecal. Algecal. I started taking the Algecal. And I have to tell you, I have all my DEXA scans from the last five years. And I have my DEXA scan re-ran after I took this for a year. And I was no longer osteoporosis in my spine. I was osteopenia. And I was no longer osteopenia in my hips. They were back to normal. I'm just a firm believer in it. I, I took calcium for five years and got worked. no improvement. It I took for that you. for a year and it's worked. Yeah. And when you go online and see how many other women around the world, not just here in the States, but around the world, are saying that they've had the same results from this. They've had the same positive DEXA scans coming back after years and years of bad DEXA scans. We've already been through so much on this road. Been through so much. But osteoporosis is not a result of breast cancer. It's a lot of to do with your inheritance. It's a lot to do with your... I think that's important to mention too, is like just because like you and I, for example, we may... Well, we didn't because our cancers were different. But even if we were to have had the same exact treatments... The side effects that we are going to experience are unique to us. Absolutely. Unique unique to our bodies. And osteoporosis is something that Caucasian and Asian women, especially women who are small frame or light skin, and this is what they've told me, and this is what you will learn through research, that it's going to be about one out of every two women are going to get osteoporosis. So it was worth me bringing this up to you today. Yeah. To it sparked your interest when you found it. You tried it. It worked. And therefore, you wanted to be able to share that with others so that Ab- they knew. Absolutely. What would you say, looking at this journey in its entirety, from diagnosis all the way through treatments into survivorhood, having to deal with osteoporosis, the whole journey kind of taking taking a step back and looking at it from the, an aerial view here, What would you say was your biggest challenge and then maybe your biggest life lesson? My biggest challenge was learning to accept my emotions and realizing that it's all right to cry, that it's all right to be angry, but to also realize that it's just a journey and you're going to pull yourself back together and get on with the determination of, of healing and strength and praying to the Lord and giving a lot of it to God and letting him carry you through, but just know. It's okay to cry. Right. That is That was a, definitely a big challenge of mine too, is recognizing that, and I've said this before, it's not like I had never experienced sadness or anger or fear before in my life. I was not a stranger to those emotions, but this was different. And allowing myself to accept that part of myself, that this is part of me, but it's not all of who I am. And it is okay to be human. Give yourself a break. Let yourself be human. And like you said, you don't you don't have to stay there in that moment, but to recognizing that those emotions themselves, they're not wrong. They're not bad. And you're not abnormal when they happen. That's right. It, it's a moment in your life, but it doesn't define who you are. Well, that's kind of like your biggest life lesson there too, but... Anything else you want to add for life lesson? You're right. It surely is. But I'd also like to add that each one of us needs to be an advocate for our health. Don't mind asking questions to your doctors. Don't mind doing research on everything that happens to you. And also learn that not just for breast cancer, but learn that about 
your families, about your husband, about your parents, especially if they end up in a nursing home, do not mind asking questions to about their treatment to their doctors, because at that point in their life, they can no longer be an advocate for themselves, and they will definitely need you to be strong and to be able to stand up for them, whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, or spiritually, but be there for them. Be an advocate for yourself and all people that you can help. I have two more questions for you. First up is, what would you like this next generation of young girls that are growing into women, what would you like them to know about breast cancer? When you ask that, it makes me think of my granddaughter and it makes me think of your two young daughters. So what I want them to know is that they have the courage and the strength to trust in their own judgment. They have to do their research. They have to be an advocate. They have to know they can trust themselves. I want them to take care of their bodies spiritually, physically, and emotionally. I want them to know they can get out there and fight. They can get out there and win. And I want them to realize when life gets tough, and it will, it will have its moments, whatever they may be, it will get tough, that God will give them the strength that they need to move forward. That was beautiful. What's one thing that you would like women who may be diagnosed today or tomorrow to walk away from this podcast knowing? I would want them to know that it's all right to cry and to be upset, but then that they can beat this monster, that now is the time to fight. Don't just fight like a girl. Fight like the warrior God created you to be. Fight with all the strength that you can muster, because you got this. That's right. You've got this. Got this. You can beat it. Absolutely. And you're not alone. You're not You've alone. got this, and there is there is so much support around you. You just have to let it all in. There's a sisterhood of us out there that are willing to help you in any way you need. That's right. Lean on those around you. Well, thank you so much, Candy, for joining us. We are very blessed to have you with us today. Thank you for all that you had to share with us so that other women know that they are not alone and that and that they too can weather their own storms. Thank you. And thank you for being here for, for those of us who never dreamed that, that such a person could, could be an advocate for us and teach us and help us to learn. Thank you. And thank you, too, for all of y'all at home that are listening. Remember, you don't have to weather your storm alone. There is great support out there. There's a sisterhood of women that although our stories might be slightly different than yours or even very different than yours, the fact that we have been through something so trying and that we truly get what you're experiencing and feeling hopefully can provide you some encouragement and some support to know that you too can make it through your own storm. I look forward to speaking with you guys again next week. Until then, remember that together we weather this storm. You are never alone.